Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, all I like guns, and I love being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 220. I'm your hostess this evening, Amanda, and with me I have Mike. Hey. And Thomas. Hi, Amanda. How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. Yourself? Doing all right. Unfortunately, Josh just got called out to a site, so he'll be joining us a little later on this evening. But how about we jump right into what we did in guns? So let's start with Thomas. I didn't actually do any shooting. Um, I'm still waiting to get recalled to work. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But I do have some sad news. Uh, Grand Power Distribution is folding, unfortunately. Uh, most products are still available and should be supported by a new distributor hopefully soon. Um, those who aren't familiar with the Grand Power brand, I first became aware of them. Uh, STI introduced their first polymer pestle called the GP6 probably about 10, 15 years ago. And, but I never saw one. I, I read some fantastic reviews and I was looking and nobody had these. And then, um, glass, out in BC, they started importing them, and he started seeing full-page ads. And as soon as I saw it, I, I, I grabbed it. And then they were take, they stopped distributing, and they were sent over to uh, Trigger Wholesale. Took over for a while, and that quickly stopped. And David took over and created Grand Power Distribution. Um, but it's difficult, you know, being being a one-man show with a limited budget. Uh, times have been really tight in our industry right now uh, for a couple of years, and. Grand Power Distribution is just one of the many casualties. A lot of gun cops have uh, have closed down. Uh, there's been a lot of changes. Um, so hopefully, I think Grand Power just needs a, a known distributor with a healthy advertising budget and good product support. That was my only criticism was the lack of advertising because the, the product, I was aware of it um, because of the ST uh, GP9. What are, you, what are, you, are you doing your nails, Amanda? That's not me that was me and i'm sorry i thought i was muted (laughs) michael (laughs) you just taking off the nail polish next mike or uh uh i'll explain what i'm doing when we get around to what i'm doing in guns (laughs) is it right now apparently sorry about that i thought i was muted But that, that was the only thing I noticed, and I actually were talking to, to Bond with it once at uh, Farms Out Lake Canada. He goes, I just wish there was more advertisements so this, this product could be known and get out there. But, you know, when you're a one-man operation and importing a new product, um, the budget's just not there. So I think if we would have had more exposure, um, it, things might have been a little bit differently. But you see, hopefully, a new distributor will pick it up, and we're going to see a lot more in the market these days. Um, but that's about it. Um, what about you, Mike? What have you done with guns this week? Uh, well, for the last two weeks, really, uh, since the last episode, last weekend, I ran um, an IDPA and an I-Corps match. Uh, this was the first time that I had run a back-to-back match weekend. Uh, the theory is we set up and the SO shoot on Friday. We run the main match for the IDPA on Saturday. And then with uh, minor adjustments to make it fit i a little better and add more targets and all the fun stuff. Um, we essentially reused the match again for the i match on the Sunday. The idea is that we essentially cram two matches into two and a half days instead of using two separate weekends. Um, my justification is it's one weekend away from the family as opposed to 
to half weekend. I don't know if it's really any better, but it uh, it went relatively well. Um, you know, setup went well. I got home a lot earlier than expected, which is always a plus. Um, the match, the IDPA match went fine. I shot my Q5 uh, just because I think that's what I'm, or uh, that is what I'm going to end up shooting in the uh, provincials match in a couple weeks from now. As and I'm shooting the plastic one still because I don't have my holster yet. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to get the new holster in time. But uh, if we do, it'll be lucky. If we don't, oh, well, I've been practicing with the plastic one quite a bit. Um, and then the I-Corps match went well. Uh, I realized how much I've like uh, regressed in my skill with the revolver. Um, with the constant start and stop of this last shut down it really uh it really got to me and i definitely dropped off a lot of my dry fire because i just kind of got to that point where i felt like what's the point we just keep getting shut down every time we think we're going to open up um but it it it, uh it showed me just how much i had fallen off and uh, i didn't perform quite as well as i'd like but still it was a good match with a fun match um but i did find out that uh, a guy i shoot with he uh he's a machinist or he was a machinist retired now and he opened up the cylinder so what that means is on the face of the cylinder where you insert your ammunition he takes like a, a reamer that's on like a 45 degree angle and it opens up the holes uh, this makes it so that when you go to drop in your ammunition there's a much larger target could it funnel it act as a funnel to funnel the ammo in so I found that he did that, so I thought, fantastic. So I actually gave him my two cylinders, because I knew I'd see him the weekend after, and uh, he could do that for me, which was great. Um, so then fast forward to this weekend. On Friday, I went to Smith Falls to help build the Ipsic match, and as well as shoot an RO that match on the Friday. Um, they ran their main match today, but instead of going to that, I went to an I-Corps match down in Kingston. Um, I got my cylinders back, put them in, get up there, load and make ready. Nope, rounds won't go in. They're stuck. Oh, no. So so luckily they're just like, okay, well, go back to the safe area, see what you can do. I, I, it's like I have a spare gun, but I don't know what's wrong with this cylinder, and it might have something to do with him opening them up. I don't know. And he said, well, whatever, go figure it out. So I went back, I got out the backup gun. They brought me up to the line again, load make ready, same thing. They stopped in pretty much the exact same spot. Um, oh. Something was hanging them up, and I could push them in, like I could push them past this spot, and pretty much he asked me, do you want to shoot? And I kind of said, well, let's give it a try. And I think I shot one moon clip, and I went to eject it, and it jammed, and it hurt my hand, like because I hit it so hard, and it didn't come out, and it still hurt my hand. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to fight with this the entire day. I'm just not going to shoot. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, it's miserable that I drove all the way to Kingston and I went with someone else. So I can't even go home. I have to wait around to the end of the match. But I'm like, I would be more angry, like upset at the end of that match, fighting with that all day long. So I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is just a small little local level match. I'm okay. Let's just pass on it. So unfortunately, it meant that I didn't get to actually shoot. Um, but I did stick around. I helped clean up and patch and all that stuff. But when I got back home, I repacked my stuff and I went back to Smith Falls again. Um, I chronographed some ammo that I was planning on taking down to uh, Provincials. 
to make sure that it would meet power factor in the Q5s because, you know, I haven't power, checked power factor on a semi in quite a while now. Um, they are both way over power factor. So, I mean, I'll just probably end up shooting it. I probably won't probably try and load anything. There's, there's just not enough time to kind of dial it, dial it in at this point. Um, but after I've done that, went back to Smith Falls Club and I helped them tear down and take everything down. And then I finally got home. And yeah, I have an IDPA match tomorrow. And yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a, a very busy week. So the guy that opened up my cylinders, I also found out he can and does cut down barrels too. So with that knowledge, I am now looking for a Smith & Wesson 610, which is revolver and 40, six shot and 40 Smith & Wesson, or a 625, which is in 45 ACP. I avoided this before because I didn't really want to go through the process of trying to find someone who could cut down my barrel. And there's the issue of, you know, not enough material on the top to put a new front sight on. But he showed me he had one of his already done with him and he showed me how he did it. And I really liked how he did it. So, so yeah, so now I'm going to look for a new gun like that so I can get it cut down so that I can make it legal for IDPA. Now, did you inspect the uh, the cylinders to see if there's a burr on some of the chambers? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so we come back to that part. Um, yes. After I came home, I was looking at it. And when you just look at it, you don't see anything. Like, it looks really clean. Um, but then I started noticing that there was a bit of a shadow. And I thought, oh, it's just the way you're holding, you know, a flashlight. You're trying to hold, you know, a flashlight into, you know, something that's nine millimeters in diameter. Not very easy to see in there. So I actually went and I grabbed a metal pick. And I kind of gently dragged it across there. And I could feel where it had created I, I don't know if a burr is the right word it would be but essentially what had happened his reamer as it got to the end instead of cutting away the material it kind of pushed some of the material but it pushed it all so uniform uniformly i'm not sure if that's a word but we'll say it is um it did it so uniformly that you don't actually see it you like you can't really see this you have to pretty much feel it so I just got out a little file and I could just kind of break that edge a little bit and round just dropped right in. So, yeah, he apparently did test it with some of his ammo, but and he, and it went in fine. And they, someone else even gave me a moon clip to try. He didn't have enough ammo for me to shoot, but he gave me a moon clip to, to try to see if it would work. And it dropped right in. So I think it has something to do with when I cut down my cases, I have a suspicion I have no proof of this, that the walls of my 38 special cases are actually thicker further down, like in the middle, I'll say, of the of the brass. And it's thinner towards where you put the bullet to accommodate the width of the bullet once you put the brass around it and it's, it'll still fit a proper chamber. When you cut further down, I find that the when you put the bullet in, the brass kind of bulges a little bit more. So I'm wondering if between that and having that small burr, it was just too much to get the cases in. So that, that's that little scratching noise you heard with the sound of me filing away at it. <laughs> okay. So not my nails. So it was gun-related. Gun-related. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gun-related. Just, just some minor gunsmithing while I'm on a podcast. Like, that seems like the right thing to do. Absolutely. It's just the same as when the boys are flicking their knives around when they're talking about knives, so can't blame them. <laughs> this this yep. is true. This is true. Yep. Well, hopefully that gets figured out for you soon. 
yeah. really well, hoping that. No, did he? Did he not polish? I'm just surprised he never polished the chambers like he was chambering the uh, the mouths. I see. I think he. The thing is, though, is that polish wouldn't take this much material off. But you'd notice it because it would get it would get snagged on. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I don't know how it kind of got by them. Um, they, like I said, they were very smooth, like, and they were very uniform. So it looked very much like it was done properly. And like I said, it was only it wasn't until I dragged a like a metal pick across it that I was able to find the edge. And even now, I almost have to go looking for it so I know where to file file a little bit and then feel for it again. What did he, what, what did he charge you to do uh, both cylinders? Twenty bucks each. That's not bad. No, it's dirt cheap, actually. I, I've looked up how much it costs to get some people to do, and that is very cheap. I, and I even told him, like, dude, you're not charging enough. Like, I know you're retired, but, like, I feel like I'm ripping you off. And he said, don't worry, I'll just overcharge you on the next thing. So. <laughs> yeah, I think when Yuli did mine, he charged me a dozen beer. Yeah. That was more than reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So you're shooting on tomorrow, then, at the IDPA? Yeah, I'm shooting Tomorrow, IDPA out in uh, at EOSC, and when's which is on the right? other side of Ottawa. And you said there's a provincial or a national match in a couple weeks? Oh, yeah. Uh, next weekend is the IDPA provincial in Peterborough. Oh, so it's close by. Well, close for you, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to hearing the results of that, Mike. Yeah. Well, Josh is not with us, but uh, he did uh, make a little note here. Thomas... Takes the blame again for the purchase of a grand power. Uh-oh. Uh, I didn't want it, but he made me do it. How did you force them? I, I got to I got to ask. <laughs> Are you looking for tips or? He, know, he knows <laughs> what I paid for mine and what the, the this one was going for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was a good deal. It was it was hard to refuse, and I I did give my uh, seal of approval for it. It's a K22 X trim, uh, waiting for the transfer and hoping it'll fit my holster uh, that he already has for his other grand power, and it'll be a bit of a cheaper training option, which we all know Josh is very frugal, and he doesn't like uh, spending the money on nine millimeter, and we're not in the process of. Uh, doing our own reloading so i don't blame them well well, (laughs) actually it's kind of josh's fault too because i was looking at them when i saw them i thought you know that'd be a good deal for josh and then i saw the p40 10 millimeter it was also going for a stupid ridiculous price so i I bought another gun i forgot to mention that (laughs) i bought a 10 millimeter Oh, very good. So yeah, least, and, I know uh, the distributor, so I got, I got some parts then, and I got right? some ammo coming. So no, I'm still waiting. Still waiting for the transfer. Still waiting. There's okay. no rhyme or reason why they take as long. I've, I've had them through businesses take a couple of days. I've had them through businesses take a few weeks or up to a month. It just, there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Yeah, I think Josh was two months, I think, for his last one. So I think he's hoping that it'll go a little bit faster this time usually so. through a business it is a little bit faster but yeah what yeah. i've noticed with so. the cfo is when there's prime vacation time transfers take yeah. a lot longer because they don't have the oh. extra staff to do it, the officers to do it because they're the farms officers so and prime summertime yeah. it takes longer and when you get near christmas it takes longer that's well, I, fair enough it happens every year so it's got has to have something to do with it 
I would agree with that. So, other than that, uh, he was wrecking with me today, and which was a lot of fun. We went to the Wildwood Conservation Area, which is you know pretty close by to our our place. Uh, so we'll get into a little bit of conversation about that later. So, uh, so like I said, other than giving the seal of approval for the new purchase, I have personally not been to the club yet but my plan is to go tomorrow morning and practice what i learned from project maple seed and uh maybe get another chance to shoot uh josh's uh ruger so pretty excited about that um but i gotta be honest with all the different hobbies the big key will be time management i've noticed so i know josh and i do our best to do things together but you know i'm more than happy to send him off for thursday night bullseye which is what he did this week but turned out it, uh, the club was rented out, so kind of bummer for him. Uh, but I was just curious, Mike, what do you and Sarah do? Like, do you mostly trade off, or do you actually um, schedule babysitters at that point? What is it that you guys do? Uh, we mostly trade off. Um, okay. Yeah, we don't tend to. We we the only time we tend to get babysitters are when Sarah and I both want to do something together. Which okay. we have done in the past. Um, it just becomes one of those things where, you know, you go spend twenty dollars on a match, and like whatever five dollars in ammunition and twenty bucks in gas, and then oh a hundred dollars in babysitting, and you're like, oh, I, that kind of uh, hurt. Like that yeah. that turned this like you know nice little you know day out turned into oh that got kind of pricey quick. Like yeah. So we will still get babysitters. But usually now we kind of reserve them for bigger matches, air quote, special occasion matches, things like that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will say that our, our the COVID schedule, especially with the online learning, really threw things off with our our um, split custodies with our, our um, partners, ex-partners, I should say, and our children. So, But we have it scheduled so that we have one weekend every two weeks. We're, we're kidless for a day and a half. So that's pretty cool. And the problem is trying to get matches to or events to line up with that. So it's kind of when we do have our weekends without kids, which is starting to finally come into a schedule again, we're jamming everything we possibly can in. So, you know, including house cleanup on the Saturday like Saturday morning, uh, we make an effort to make a breakfast or meals that the kids wouldn't normally make or eat because they're picky. And I find with um, just trying to get everything in with our beekeeping, our fishing, our boating, our camping, it, it seems like a lot. So I put a little um, Instagram, Facebook post about what it is that my other gunny people do to kind of keep that schedule with families. So and I would like to do more shooting. I want to take more time for that. But I feel like now that it's we have this blended family, it's making it a lot harder to schedule things. So just curious what other people think about that. Uh, other than that, just prepping for the Rizul March because that is coming up next week. I don't know. Uh, Mike, are you ready? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready in the... I'm ready in the sense that, so I, I started carrying around 50 pounds and you know what? Like that 
per like that is a big difference when you double your weight. Um, so much so that like for the Rasul thing, I'm gonna go back to carrying whatever what I was carrying before, like 25 pounds, yeah. whatever the minimum weight is. Um, it's 20, 22. So 22, yeah. So I mean, I'll yeah. I'll carry that, and I have confidence that I can do. Like I, I've done it all already. I have confidence I can yeah. do it all again. Um, yeah. The big the biggest the hardest part is gonna be figuring everything out because. That the so what the Thursday Friday won't be too bad because I can do it in the morning before I watch the kids. Um, yeah. But the Saturday is actually provincials, so that oh, day right. I'm actually going to start out in Peterborough, shoot the match, and my my hope is that I'm going to get in the car when that match is over, drive three hours home, and then throw on that 25 pounds, do a quick an air quote here quick 10k. So that I'm yeah. good for that day. And yeah, we're going to see how I do the next day when I wake up like eight hours later and got to do another 25. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, I, and Thomas, you said you were just going to try and do the one 10K um, without weight, right? Yeah. Is that what you're hoping to do? Okay. I'm, and how do you feel about that? With me, with because I've, I've got a big dog, I'm walking every day anyway. So it's just okay. gives the dog an extra walk. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And you have a big dog, so can go a little further distances. So. Oh yeah, she can go. She can go. She'll go nonstop. Yeah, that's awesome. So you could probably do 10k for all four days if you wanted to. So probably, maybe. Maybe. Would that maybe. be pushing it? <laughs> we'll see. So we'll I, see. I don't know. I, I, Josh has done way more walking than I have because he's been able to take his lunch breaks and go for a walk. And I find that that's been very helpful for him. I will say when we do get out and do our thing, I am handling the take 10K a lot better. So I'm pretty confident that I can do the three 10Ks. The 25K, we have a plan now. Um, uh, we since we took like today we took the trails at the conservation area which were we found uh, even though the elevation was definitely more intense than walking around town uh, it was a lot nicer on our feet so I think our plan is to do 10k we're gonna have to do each alone on Thursday then Friday evening we will be kid free. So we can go for a walk in the evening together. Then Saturday morning, drop my kids off while we do this 25K and then leave the 10K for um, the Sunday is our, our hope anyway. So fingers crossed that I survive. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, you can <laughs> do it. You can I'm do sure it. you're going to do great. Oh, I'm sure. It's just it's it's going to be a lot, but. Uh, I am really excited for it, and I know Josh is really excited for it, and he was saying how much his back is feeling better, and, and I have to say I'm just happy to be getting out and doing something. So pretty excited about that, but that's about it for me. Have you guys noticed um, any, uh, any weight reduction doing it? Uh, for me? Uh, no, I've been doing 22, okay. and I, 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 climbed, I went from 15 to 20, and then the last couple I've done 22, Josh, on the other hand, jumped right to 40, like Mike, um, putting on extra weight once he felt like he could do it. But he's definitely feeling it. But his idea for mental preparedness was, okay, well, carrying 40 for 10K, you know, that's my my push point. But then when I do these 
four in a row, the 22 is going to feel really easy. So I, I was referring to, to body weight since you've been doing the rucking. Have you noticed a loss in the body, any body weight? Oh, um, I think Josh has lost some weight. I have not. I think I'm enjoying my beer too much. That's what I think. Yeah, <laughs> my no, has the same problem. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> well, you know, we don't all. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. I think I think Josh has lost some weight, but I mean, it's still. I don't think we do it as often as we should to really see the impact and but I mean we're still busy out doing other things I mean the rarity of us staying home and watching tv is is very minimal so I think we're out and about it's just if I want to see some true weight loss I'm going to have to buck down and do the diet as well so and that's just not something I'm quite ready to give up just yet I need my food so Alrighty, so main topic today, guys. So is uh, SS so side by side versus over under. I was wondering if you so, could figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> me a little bit. I had to go through the notes, and I was I was reading them to Josh, and he's like, "What the heck is this?" So I was like, "Okay, so side by side versus over under." Um, and Thomas did all the research for this, so take it away, Thomas. Well, listener Jay asked, actually, this was a topic suggestion from Jay. He really wanted the difference between an over and under and a side-by-side. And the main physical difference between the firearms is actually how the shooter aims or points an over and under versus a side-by-side. Because with the, the side-by-side, uh, the shooter must keep their head really down low on the stock. The majority of the side-by-side models do not have a raised rib like an over and under. So it, you have to look right down the barrel channel in order to see your bead. Uh, this puts both, uh, and also this kind of puts both of your barrel uh, humps, you see two little humps, it puts them in your sight picture. So that's kind of limits your, your shooting style to more of a horizontal swing. Um, when you go up to an over and under, it allows the head to be raised with the eye focused on the bead at the end of a high rib. This allows you to greater horizontal and vertical tracking as well. Um, a tall rib and an adjustable comb also allows a, a faster, more repeatable sight picture, making the over and under very popular sports shooters and hunters altogether. Um, the other big difference is uh, uh, you'll see between them is butt stocks. Um, some, well, both guns offer pistol grip stocks. Uh, you'll see a Prince of Wales stocks more often in a, in a or a semi-pistol grip Prince of Wales more often in a side-by-side. Um, the main difference between the two stocks is that it's really important that a side-by-side fits the shooter correctly. Um, that's the biggest difference with the, with the two guns. Um, so if you get a nice side-by-side, it's always a good idea to get it fitted. Um, it'll definitely make a difference. Another big difference, too, with the guns is their forehands. Um, the uh, over and under tend to be very long U-channel over the barrel. It, it fully covers the lower barrel and some of the upper barrel, so you don't have your fingers you don't have your fingers contacting barrels when the gun heats up. And also, there's some operating parts located in the bottom of the forehand as well. So with an over and under, uh, they tend to be a little larger, a little longer on the hands. So if you've got you know shorter hands, um, you got a little, little more purchase with an over and under. Um, with the side-by-sides, the, the stocks tend to be very thin. They're called a, either a, spl- a splinter forend uh, due to their small splinter flat style. Um, other models tend to be very flat but often have the problem is your hands are in contact with the barrel. Uh, more modern versions tend to be a little bit wider so you don't contact the barrel. 
which isn't a big deal unless you're shooting rounds of trap and you're shooting you know, 100 rounds and the gun heats up. Then it can be a bit of a deal. Um, but they're very short compared to an over and under. So your grip is very limited. Um, one thing that I've noticed when shooting side by sides, because the way that I, because when you, when you, when you grip it with the over and under, you're holding it in like a U channel. But when you're shooting a side by side, you're holding it flat. And I notice when I get to the end of my swing, I can't keep it as level as I can in over and under. And when I get right towards the end of my swing, I tend to rotate the gun a little bit. So that's something I, I had to be aware of at the time. And you're going to see uh, a variety of different triggers. You can see you can get both um, a semi-selective trigger or you could have um, double triggers on both guns. It, does, it doesn't really matter. Usually the older guns will have the double triggers, but the new modern guns will have um, single-selective triggers. Um, and then there's a big difference between the hammers, the sears, and the firing systems. Um, Quick question before you go on. Yeah. What's better, one or two triggers? I mean, more is always better, but in this case, is that really true? Yes. For the simple fact that a lot of them, the, the second shot is inertia operated. So you fire the first shot, it sets it up for the second shot. You've got a dud on that first round. It doesn't go boom. Your second trigger doesn't, your second barrel won't go off. So isn't that a bad thing then? It's a bad thing, yeah. Shot? So if you, if, you get, if you get a light shot or say you're, you're loading and you do too light of a load, when you fire the first shot, it needs the recoil energy to for and use inertia to knock the sear back for the second shot. If it doesn't get that, the second, the, the second shot doesn't fire. When you've got two triggers, it doesn't matter. Each trigger is hooked up usually to one barrel. So if yeah. you do have a fire, a problem, it doesn't go off, bang, you just keep pulling, pull the second trigger, and then that one will go off. They're independent okay. of each other, so if one doesn't go off, it's not going to affect the other the other barrel. And if you have two triggers, you can pull them at the same time. Pretty quickly. For, ad, for added ouch. Yeah, if you pull them really fast, yeah, yeah you don't want to do that. <laughs> sorry sorry that's to okay. really there <laughs> yeah. and then you've got like you said uh with a lot of the side by sides you will have um external hammers so you physically have to cock each hammer for each trigger the advantage is if one doesn't go you just pull the other trigger like we said and as i said with the selective triggers it depends some of the guns also have striker systems so once you crack it open both are cocked anyway so you want to just check, you know, if, if you're going to get a high dollar gun, just look at the different systems. Like Breda has a different system than Browning, and the Turkish ones have different systems. They're all similar, but they all operate a little bit differently. Sometimes, especially with an over and under, a lot of the components will be in the forehand. So it's it all depends who's designing the gun. There's no set parameters of how an over and under will work in this brand or versus with this brand. Um, with side-by-sides, it tend to be pretty close, but there's a lot of variation in the over and unders in the market. Like... Say, for example, extractors and ejectors. You can get the, um, I'll give a good example, would be the Condor brand, which is a budget Brazil brand. You can get regular, cheaper models that just have no tubes and ejectors, or sorry, extractors, or you can get higher, a couple hundred dollars more. You'll get tubes and you'll get uh, ejectors on the guns. Um, it's it's up to you whether you want that, sorry, those, those type of features. Sorry, what's, the, what's the tube? Sorry, I missed Oh, the just the choke tubes. Oh, okay. You're talking about interchangeable t- like choke mm. tubes. Okay, I got you now. Sorry, my bad. That's okay. Because what a lot of companies do, they'll make base models, so it'll have fixed tubes. It could have extractors. Then they'll make uh, a higher end that's a couple hundred dollars more, and it'll have adjustable choke tubes or removable choke tubes. It'll have better trigger, better wood. Um, but on the whole, you don't really need ejectors. 
Because if you go to a trap shoot and you start putting your rounds all over the ground, they get kind of ticked off of you. So it's just, it's entirely up to you. Ejector uh, just add parts and cost to the gun, but it's kind of cool when you crack it open and they go flying through the air. So as I said, it's entirely up to you. Um, so, so the ejector is what, so as opposed to an extractor that just pulls it an inch away from essentially the chamber, the ejector is what launches it, you know, and that almost uh, classic you know, thing that you see whenever you watch Olympic shooters and they're always just cracking and just letting them go flying by. Yeah. So there's going yeah, to be, okay. there's going to be springs and pins and everything else. All that's going to be compressed when you close the gun. So when you open the gun, those parts shoot forward. And a lot of time that mechanism actually is included in the forend, which adds a little bit of why well, you had the metal in the front there. It's nice to have, but it's also a lot added mechanical parts and adds cost to the gun. So it doesn't have to have ejectors, doesn't have to have extractors. If you want them, get them. They're fine. It's just something that well, you have to be aware of that will wear over time. And they do have to be repaired, repaired, replaced. But, you know, is any one style of gun better than the other? No, not really. With with a properly fitted gun in the right person's hand, um, they both perform well in the field. It just comes down to personal choice. The one advantage that an over and under does have over a side-by-side is the follow-up shot because with the over and under your first barrel like most ones that aren't selectable usually it's the bottom barrel that fires first so that bottom barrel has got a really low bore axis as compared to say a side by side because it's really deep in the receiver so with your first shot you're not going to get the muzzle flip that you would say on a side by side so it allows you to get that second shot off really quick to require your sight position so that's the one make big advantage of them just that first shot allows you to require that second one a lot quicker because you don't have the kick on it. But, you know, it doesn't matter unless you, you know, you're a competition shooter and you want that slight advantage as a hunter or somebody just playing a game. You don't really need it. Um, but if you're buying either gun, I would just, I would suggest make sure it has adjustable chokes because that will really open up your possibilities. Because if you just cut, a lot of them will have like a modified and a full. But there's no reason you can't put a turkey choke on one of those and you can use it for turkey hunting or whatever species you want. So I would always suggest getting adjustable chokes. And that's the only thing I can suggest. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You're saying, Mike? Sorry, I was going to ask a question, but you finish your thought. As I said, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can go out and get uh, you can uh, some of those Turkish imports. If you're just going out hunting... And they're just, they're just fine because it's going to be light field use. They'll probably last your lifetime. But if you're planning on competing, then you want to spend the money on a high-quality gun that you can easily replace worn parts or broken parts on because once you start playing shooting games, you really accelerate the rate of wear on your firearm and you really want to get something that you can repair down the road. You'll pay more now, but it'll save you money for not having to replace it in a year's time. Um, if you're looking for um, purchasing a vintage shotgun online, I've included Gun Digest had a really good set of 20 questions or 25 questions that you ask for prospective seller. I put the link in the show notes. If you're looking at buying an old gun, there's some good questions to ask the seller to make sure that you're getting uh, something that's in decent shape. And what was your question, Mike? Um, so you mentioned that the um, okay, I forget what the two choke tubes were that kind of come out standard on this um, for fixed choke tubes, and they weren't the same. I can't remember what you said they were. Um, why do they select those two different choke tubes? Why not have two of the same? Well, ideally, it's set up for hunting. So on your first shot, you're assuming that your 
the bird is fairly close to you so you want a fairly wide pattern uh, if you miss he's going to be a lot further away so then your second barrel will have a tighter pattern in case you miss for the first okay that, that actually makes a lot of logical mm. sense but I have seen them with double full chokes, say for like a self-defense type stagecoach gun. Because um, <laughs> nothing seen... says self-defense like a like a break action shotgun. If you get uh, an older <laughs> style um, a 410, odds are it'll both be full choke barrels. Because it's such a small load, they, they're always full choke. Okay. Cool. Interesting. But, you know, people so think there's there a lot any... of... I'm sorry. I was going to say, is there any brand you think we should, like, people should avoid? Like, does Norinco make one that you'd say it's not very good quality or some other, you know, country or company that's not, not very well known, not very well manufactured? You know, it sounds like a great deal. When... The only one that I can tell you right off the bat, Savage makes an over and under combo barrel. I think, to try to remember the, to try to remember the model number of it. Uh, it used to be extremely popular. It's a break action shotgun, usually with a rifle caliber and a shot. It's an over and under rifle shotgun combination. The extractor's plastic. Oh. So when you open it, plastic tabs are rubbing against the metal inside and it's, it's a, it's a break item. And I don't think it's an older product no, or a newer is, product. This is a new, newer product. Oh. If somebody wants one, I will sell you one. But if you ask me my opinion, I, I'd say try to find one of the older ones. Do you, do you know what caliber it is? Is that is that the like the twenty two over four ten or something like that? Yeah, it'll be the twenty two four ten. Um, I haven't seen a, a lot of caliber selections right now on that. Yeah, last time I've looked into those before, and it was yeah, it was twenty two or maybe twenty two magnum all over four ten. Whereas I believe the original version of that model, you could get it in like 22 over 20 gauge. Well, that was the most popular the one, one. The 22 Magnum over yeah, 20 I, gauge? Yeah. And I, would look, I was actually looking for one a while ago, but like they are hard to come by. I've had several friends tell me that I ever see one to buy it instantly, and they will buy it no matter what I, what I paid for. They, they, I, they demand I a premium. That. Mm-hmm. It's and I don't understand why why Savage currently has their twenty two over four ten. Like is that such a popular gun in that caliber? Because every time I go online and look around, everyone seems to want twenty two over twenty. I'm thinking I think that one's a Turkish import. I don't think it's made in USA. Um but nobody else is really making them right now. Yeah. Yeah, the whole idea of rifle over shotgun caliber, I feel like that Craze kind of went away. It's nice to have, especially as a backup or survival. Or if you, if you, you know, if you're on a fixed budget and you want two guns for yeah. hunting, there's the 22 Magnum 20 gauge would be perfect. Um, yeah. There's some you got. Well, that's watch. what I've. Like you can, you can, you can get say the Norinco stuff if you get it say through, for example, Marstar, who offers a two-year no-fault warranty on it fine if you, if you get it through somebody like him you're fine if you buy it from sm- some small shop that's didn't didn't come through Marstar, then you don't have a warranty on them so that's the main issue with with the norks but they're proper because they're cheap yeah but just because it's cheap doesn't always mean it's worth spending your money on yeah i just i 
I don't tell, like to tell people not to buy something unless I know for sure it's a piece of junk. And I've never played with Norinco uh, pumps or the uh, side-by-side. They do have cowboy guns, exposed hammer. So, you know, it's it's a very attractive price for somebody new to the sport. Um, get what you want, but if you're going to start competing, you get a lot more than what you need. Because if not, you're just wasting your money because it'll wear out and be not repairable. Give you a good example. Mossberg came out with the Silver Reverse shotguns a couple years ago, right? Imported Turkey. Um, within six months to a year, they started having all kinds of problems with them. Well, they didn't have the parts or the service to repair them. So everybody got free guns. You sent your gun in for repair, they sent you a brand new gun. Because they couldn't fix them. Oh, wow. That that seems like a fantastic business model. Exactly. No, I think, <laughs> they've, I think they've eliminated the problem now that it's it's... It's been in production for a couple of years. Well, same with the Winchester pumps when they came out. The guys for the uh, university shooting teams were far shoot, uh, really overshooting them. Like, there's our hunting gun. They're using for high volume trap and skeet. And of course, small plastic parts and springs break. Um, they couldn't get anything for about the first six months. You can now, you can get them now. But when the gun first came out, support wasn't there, which is common. Okay, so what is your favorite gun then out of the shotguns that you would say absolutely like i love this no matter no matter price no matter price i've always wanted a bretta silverhawk it's a side-by-side gorgeous italian shotgun the last one we had uh, they don't sell fast because they're so expensive but the last one that we had in the store was uh, it retailed for five thousand it was beautiful i only oh my goodness i only looked it up and I only looked it up and picked it up and handled it once, <laughs> just wow. to look at the just just to look at this part. And I, it was funny. I was in the restricted room with Bree, and I said, "I bet you this thing's five thousand dollars." She goes, "Pick it up. Look at the price." I picked it up. It was four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. Jeez. Oh, so by by uh, price is right standard, you lost then. Well, yeah, yeah. I was over <laughs> by a dollar. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah, it, it sat there for oh, a good year and a half. But then one day, some guy walked in and bought it instantly. So. Yeah. I imagine that, and I feel like this happens with a lot of high priced guns, is that they're not things that people make on impulse, like decisions people make on impulse, right? Even the person that's coming in that's looking for advice and like kind of wants to look at stuff usually isn't coming in there saying, I have a $5,000 budget. Show me what you have. No, right. usually they're pretty specific. They, they, they want a particular model because it fits them. Um, I had a couple of Bretas in, and, I, and the gentleman said, no, just these ones don't. I need the 690 remember the model no, because it just fits. I don't have to adjust or anything. And I didn't have one, and nobody had one. But he tried all my all the shotguns, and he goes, nope, this, this, this isn't right. I said, well, wish I could help you, sir. But he had the money in his pocket. He just he wanted that one gun, and the other ones just didn't fit him right. Most people like me save. It's not an impulse, you know. I, I would, if I had the disposable cash, I would get a a, a bread of silver. Yeah, three thousand dollars, twenty five hundred, three thousand. Nice gun. Yeah. yeah. I just oh, think of that sure guy. If I was gonna drop five grand, I want to make sure that gun fits me too. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure. totally. The most popular tend to be uh, the Bretas and the Brownings, the Sartorius for trap shooters. Um, but I, there's um, a British 
video channel called The Gun Shop, and it's a high-end shotgun shot in England. And uh, he was doing a comparison between uh, the, the top brands, and he says he likes the best ones to, to deal with are the bread and brownings. And he said the only major difference is, is that the breadas uh, tend to fit very easily. The brownings, the parts tend to be need a little hand fitting, so it takes a little bit a little bit longer to actually install them. So the browning will cost you a little bit more to maintain, but not much. He goes, but you can't go wrong with either of them because everything's replaceable. Pins, trinions, and parts are available. Mm. Interesting information there. Thank you for sharing with that, Thomas. You're welcome. No, and thank you for putting the the guts of that together. I appreciate that. And the pictures, too, which you said, Mike, you're going to post for our, our listeners. Yep, I'll post them all on the website. So if you're curious what uh, some of the stuff is that he's talking about, you'll be able to see it there. Um, so, Thomas, you, you talked a little bit about some of the games and hunting. Is there anything else that, you know, people popularly use uh, over and under or side by sides as opposed to, you know, your pump actions and your semis for? Mostly shooting sports. You don't, they, they tend to be the, the more popular. Mind you, they're losing ground to the semis these days because the, the, the semis really mitigate a lot of the recoil. So it's, besides, I can't see, like, you don't see them in competition except for trap skeet and cowboy action. They're, they're just having two shots just doesn't make it in a lot of the shooting games these days. And didn't George used to do cowboy? He does. Or he did. They yep. did. Um, so so did. what does he shoot? I think uh, side by side. he has a side-by-side. Side. I believe he has a Condor side-by-side uh, side, uh, made by Stoger. And it has fixed chokes and no extractors because you can't use extractors and ejectors in cowboy action. It has yep. to be Very more or cool. less period correct. And I... I'm not sure if they relax it on the triggers. I think you might have to have double triggers. They might allow single selected, but I think it's double triggers. No, you are allowed single triggers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought there was a change in the yeah. triggers. I don't know when that happened, but Sarah used to shoot cowboy action, whatever, five years ago, and she was allowed to have a shotgun with one trigger on it with a selector. Perfect. George has a beautiful Umberti 1873 Winchester copy. High polished blue, gorgeous checkering, just beautiful wood on it. And his uh, his six shooters are beautiful too. The only thing you cheaped out on is your shotgun. All the rest of the stuff you buy high quality stuff. <laughs> well, I guess maybe that was the lesson learned. Well, that's how maybe. you really need because you figure, you figure you're going out in a match. He might. I bet you he's not going to put more than 15, 20 rounds downrange in the cowboy action shoot. Most most of it's pistol shooting. The only, the only disadvantage of a single action, or sorry, a side-by-side, -side, especially something like a coach gun, is the recoil. That's the main difference, the big difference between an over, over and under and a side-by-side, because side-by-sides are lighter, and especially if you put it in a shorter package, it, the recoil is definitely noticeable in a side-by-side -side compared to an over and under. Gotcha. Wow. Any other points to add in there, Mike? Uh, I don't think I have any other questions there. Um, I don't know. Is there are there any other unique side by sides or over and unders? Like, has anyone tried anything weird, like uh, breaking sideways or breaking down or 
I don't know. Is there anything out there? Those uh, there's a couple of weird unicorn ones. items. Browning has a, I believe it's a two shot single barrel. It actually holds. So it's, two, a, so it's a semi that only holds two rounds. Yeah, it only does two. It loads it up for the second one. Hmm. That's the strangest that like, I've seen. I, yeah, it looks like a sing, It looks like one of their trap guns, but it actually has a second round. So it it, you, it doesn't look like a semi, but it's a two shot gun. I haven't seen it for a while. Um, what else? There are some. Was it Chiapa made the three barrel shotgun? Oh yeah. I, I feel like I remember seeing that on Facebook or whatever. Oh, yeah. George went crazy when he saw that. He wanted one. The problem with any multi-barrel gun, especially the cheaper ones, is that when you're lining up two barrels, your point of impact is always going to be different. So an over and under, it's left to right. Side by side, it can be up and down. The the higher quality guns to have the barrels usually pretty regulated. Um, regulating three barrels to shoot in the small grouping, yeah, that, that'd be tough. No, but I can't think of anything else besides oh, who, somebody came out with a 12 gauge single shot pistol a couple of years ago. Well, define pistol these days. Uh, barely enough to chamber the round. It's probably oh, so pretty much a flare gun. Yeah, it's like the yeah. four and a quarter inch chambered for three and a half inch magnum single shot. Of course, pistol. three and a half. Because yeah. why? Why would you do something reasonable? Well, they had one. I was doing an event at uh, Silverdale, and the crew from um, what was it Canadian Gun Vault? Oh, I think it was Canadian Gun Vault. Were there and they were shooting. Hey, you want to try this? No. Oh, come on, try. Why? Why would I abuse myself? I watch you shoot it. That's punishing enough. Watching the pain on your face. Why would I do it? Because <laughs> you want to live, Thomas. Oh man. It's like, I'll, I'll shoot a 45 Colt through a 460, but I'm not touching off the 460. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you know it's going to cause incredible pain and discomfort, don't do it. So you're can, pretty much can... telling me to don't go out the front door. Well, <laughs> there's a level to punishment that I can tolerate, like 44 magnums about my cutoff point. That's the max. I'm sorry, guys. I completely blanked out once Mike said uh, break it down or break down. And all I could think of is songs that say break it down now. <laughs> break it down now, y'all. this time. <laughs> No, New Shooter Canada is not putting out a video of us dancing, because that is... No. As Kelly once said, you dance like a white guy, so... <laughs> that 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 tells you all you need to know about my dancing skills. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, if uh, any of our listeners have any uh, feedback, questions, or comments, you may uh, send them over to uh, host at newshootercanada.ca our Facebook page or in the comment section of our website at uh, newshootercanada.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and leave us a comment and rating on iTunes or hit up our Instagram page. <laughs> Wonderful. I would love to have you guys tag us on what you're doing. Um, show us your shotgun. Show us your over and under. Show us your side-by-sides. I'd really like to see that. So uh, how about some uh, shout-outs for the evening? Uh, let's start with Mike. 
All right, so I have uh, quite a few here. I want to give a shout out to all the volunteers that came and helped uh, help help me run the matches last weekend. Um, you know, I can't do it without all the volunteer coming out with helping with uh, setting stuff up, uh, SOing all day, helping you know scorekeep guys who came and who came back again on Sunday to help tear everything down after we were done shooting, which that was fantastic. That was great to see that much uh, participation. Um, I want to give a shout out to Dan. Um, he's the match director for the Ipstick match in Smith Falls. Um, he used to run matches somewhere else at another club, um, but he's now come to us. So that's his first match that he's run here. So he brought Ipstick back. It hadn't been in Smith Falls for, I don't know. I'm going to guess four or five years now. That long. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy who was running it, and I still remember vividly his very last match he ran, because he said, like, oh, I'm running this match. And I said, oh, what time are you doing it at? Um, like, you know, I was I was hoping to get out and do a little bit of chronographing. He's like, oh, I'm using the ranges all day. And I said, okay, great. And, and I remember talking to him later saying, so how'd it go? And he said he was the only person who came out to set up the match. Oh, no. And I was just like, oh, I feel so bad. Like, if I had, if you had said, like, oh, come chronograph your stuff in the morning, like, I would have stayed and helped him set up or something. Or if he had just said, I need help, I would have tried helping him out. But... Yeah, I, I feel for him, and I understand completely why he kind of said, you know, enough is enough. So, But it is great to have Ipsic back. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I want to thank all the volunteers for the i match today. Um, even though I didn't get to shoot much, you know, I still had fun getting to hang out with the, with the Frontenac crowd. Um, also want to give a shout-out to Larry, who's the one who opened up my cylinder. That is, uh, for 20 bucks. that was that's probably going to be one of the best uh, dollar per return that I'll ever get for my uh, shooting career with a revolver. Um, and then, of course, I have to give a giant shout-out to Sarah for being the best wife ever, uh, for letting me to run all these match bonanza weekends, and, like, this weekend I'm running all over the place shooting matches everywhere. Um, she's been absolutely fantastic. She doesn't say boo. She doesn't, she doesn't give me a hard time about any of it, and I was going to ask you, Amanda, from because uh, you are the the woman's perspective. What does a weekend of me being, you know, playing, having fun? What 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 do I owe her for a weekend of child uh, child watching and letting me run around? Ooh, that's a that's a toughie there. I don't think I want to know the answer to this question. <laughs> and here Bad timing, Josh. Bad timing. Yes, I mean, Josh, if you want to throw, if, if Josh or Thomas or any of our listeners think that they know what I should do or buy, um, please send us an email. Let us know. Yeah, I definitely would be down for a spa day or a pedicure or something like that where I'm away and get to do something for myself. Uh, but I don't I don't know if Sarah's into that at all, but that that would totally be something that I would love. That's actually um, what I that's actually what I was thinking of too, so Yeah, so <laughs> I confirmed my idea. <laughs> yeah, they, they no, like well I have I have a I think it was was it Mother's Day? Yeah, Josh got me a pedicure for or, or a certificate for a pedicure for Mother's Day and I still have to go and book that now that things are finally opening up. So I was gonna suggest a case of ammo, but that's not right. No, uh, I, not right. Actually funny story about that. So I was looking at cigars. Um, uh, I started following a Canadian company, Bev and Burns, I believe. 
they they do cigars. Another shooter hooked me up to them, um, and I really like their stuff. They offered out a new bundle package, and I liked a lot of the stuff, and they have some new stuff in it. And I was kind of saying to Sarah, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to get this, but, like, you know, it's 200 bucks. It's expensive. And Sarah says, well, you reload all my ammo for me, don't you? I said, yeah. She says, you pay for all the reloading supplies, don't you? Yeah. She said, I probably owe you 200 bucks in ammo by now. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> oh, what a gal. She She's one of a kind. You better keep her. Oh, I know. She's a keeper. She's not getting away. She can try. But she's a lovely lady. Lovely, lovely lady. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, good luck. And yes, if any listeners have any suggestions, please send them in. Uh, I, I personally, as much as I love gun stuff, so unless there was something she was pointing out like, oh, I really love that. I, I would stick to something that she could do just for herself because obviously a weekend away means a weekend where she has no escape with the children. And as much as we love our children, um, a weekend alone can really drive you mad depending yeah. on their ages and stages. So uh, that would be my suggestion anyway. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Thomas? Uh, shout outs for this evening. Yeah, uh, my shout out tonight would be to David Coping for Grandpa for inviting me to SHOT Show twice as his guest. Uh, I'm glad I accepted the second time. SHOT Show was simply amazing. Gunny Heaven, Shooter's Wet Dream. What else can you say about SHOT Show? Uh, not only have I made countless friends and industry contacts because of him, I've learned so very much. So, David, thank you. And, oh, yes, his wife, Lori Coping, she makes the best cookies ever. First time I ever met her, she made me cookies. I love Lori Coping. What kind? They're sugar cookies. Because those can be really hard to make, mm-hmm. like to get the right consistency, I have- so I have a sweet tooth. You make me cookies, you'd be a lasting impression. Okay. Good to know. What about you, Josh? Any well, shout-outs? Well, how about a shout-out to you, Thomas, for making me spend money on a new gun this week? We already established that that's Amanda's <laughs> making fault. Him. That was Amanda's fault. Yes. Oh, no, not at all. What not you, at what, all. But, what, uh, what was he selling it for? Uh, I got it for three fifty. No tax. That sucks. That, Pretty awesome. That's they yeah. normally go yeah. for over yeah. s- or a close over seven. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I can't go wrong there for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh tried to pitch it as it was going to be my gun, and then all of a sudden well, it it's is. A, a family gun. Family gun. It is ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah, it is. Family gun. It is ambidextrous. Yes. It's light, yes. so, so the kids can shoot it. It has adjustable yes. back straps so you can make it smaller for the younger ones. Yes. I'm trying, Josh. And I'm my trying. hands. <laughs> magazines no, are readily important. available. They're like 30 bucks for a magazine. Exactly. So now, He said uh, most of his demos come with one, but he's going to look and see if he could find a second. I don't know if I'm going to get a second or not, but that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah he told so. me the same thing, too. <laughs> and I couldn't, I could find one. Uh, I can only find one, and it was uh, $60 for my mag. Oh. But your mags, well, I could find, yeah. your mags were 29 bucks. I got five or six of those mags, so if you need an extra mags, I got mags. For my Q100, I think I paid $59 for mine, for the extra one, for the fourth. That's um, that's average. At least, you know, if you got an H and K, they're going to be 100 bucks. so. Oh, yeah, my, my Walter are 60 or 70 bucks a mag. Yeah, Do you think it's going to fit my holster, Thomas? 
it might be long because your Q100 yeah. has a four and a quarter inch barrel. And I'm uh -huh. pretty sure that's a five inch barrel. Oh, okay. Okay, so likely not going to fit. Cause so you're going to make one? Mine fit because or? mine was an Excalibur, that I, Excalibur holster that I was using because the, the K22 is almost the same dimension as the Excalibur. So yeah. my K22 fit my Excaliburs. Um, but I think, didn't I sell that to Mark? I might have sold it to Mark. I'm not, yeah, actually, maybe I did sell him the holster. I have to go look. Mm. Oh, well, let us know. So, uh, I'm going to give my shout out to the whole uh, New Shooter Canada crew. <laughs> it's been awesome to see everybody's uh, progress with the whole wrecking challenge. I'm really excited to do it next week. So, you know, kudos to everybody for doing what they're doing and uh, looking forward to ch chatting more about actual guns next episode. So. Well, I guess that's about everything. So how about we take it right on out of here? So why don't we start with you, Mike? Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Keep your barrels pointed downrange and smoking for George. <laughs> Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> Good evening, Amanda. Bye. Well, I really like 22 now. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page.